Hello and welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're always so encouraged to know that God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please send a message to lifechange at hopecityonline.net. Now, let's prepare our hearts for a powerful message out of God's Word. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Robbie, and I am privileged to be one of the pastors here at Hope City Church. And um, man, such such an honor to not only pastor this church, but it's an honor um, to be a part of this church. It's an honor to be somebody who attends this church. It's an honor for me to know that my family goes to this church and that my kids are going to be raised in an environment where Jesus is lifted high and people seek after him and pour their hearts out to him and want to live a life that's pursuing him with reckless abandon. And so, man, I'm so, so grateful and so thankful to be a part of this church. If you are here and you're a guest with us, we want you to know we don't take it lightly that you decided to show up here today. You could have been a lot of other places doing a lot of other things. It's not ice outside. Summer's getting ready to take off. You could have been doing a ton of other stuff, but you decided to be here hanging out with us. And we would love to say thank you for coming and spending some time with us. They're going to tell you specifically how to do that later in the service. But what I want you to know from me is that I would love the opportunity to meet you. If I haven't had the chance to meet you or your family or find out how um, you guys ended up here at Hope City Church, I'm going to be hanging out in the lobby after our services are over. Please stop by and say hello. I'd love the chance to connect with you. Maybe you don't have time to hang around and talk today. Next week, we're having an environment that we call Starting Point. And Starting Point literally is just that. It's the way that you get started here at Hope City Church. It's the way that you interact with us as staff and leaders. It's the way that you find out who we are, why we exist, and why we do what we do. And I'd love to invite you to be a part of that as well. And I'm going to be there hanging out so we can meet at that um, juncture too. So at any rate, more than anything else, I want you to know that I would love to meet you, love to talk to you. I would love for there to be a relationship here far more than just stage to seat, but interacting with your family and knowing what's going on in your world and in your life. We are right in the middle of a series that we kicked off last week called I Am Not, But I Know I Am. And if that title seems a little weird to you, if you don't really understand that, maybe you weren't here last week, let me kind of bring you up to speed. Basically, what we've said is that this entire series is birthed around this particular encounter that God had with Moses. When God was calling Moses in the Old Testament, whether you're a church person or not, almost everybody in the room is familiar with Moses, the whole let my people go, parting of the Red Sea, that whole deal. Everybody's familiar with that story. And when God called Moses to go and do what it was that he was calling him to do, and that is to set the children of Israel free from bondage, free from slavery in Egypt. Moses, on a number of occasions throughout the conversation, repeated the phrase, I am not. I'm not together enough. I'm not qualified enough. I'm not confident enough. And repeatedly, God said to him, yeah, but Moses, you're not going in your strength. You're not going in your ability. You're not going in your name. You're going in my name. And just in case you're wondering what my name is, my name is I am. So every time you are not, my name is I am. So when you're not together enough, you need to know that I am together 
there enough. When you're not confident enough, you need to know that I am confident enough. When you are, are, are not qualified enough, listen, I've always been and I always will be. I am qualified enough and I am is who's sending you and I am is who's going before you and I am is who's doing the work that you are being called to go and do. So go in confidence, go in boldness, go in peace because I am is going before you. And so this entire series is hinging around the idea that for those of us that have have entered into a relationship with God through the person of Jesus Christ, we can confidently say, I am not. I'm not, and you fill in the blank, whatever that is. I'm not blank enough. I'm not blank enough. I'm not blank enough. But I got good news. I know I am. And because I know I am, I can, not because I am, but because he is in me. That's great news. And man, that's, that's good preaching too. Like you gotta know, that's really, like that's the kind of preaching that you look forward to like all year long. Like I've been looking forward to this series because I couldn't wait to preach that particular message. And I just knew, man, that was gonna get people jacked. That was gonna get people excited. They were gonna go and they were gonna take on the world. And man, we had, and I'm just, listen, you gotta know, I am the least racist person on the planet, but some things aren't racist, they're just true. And black people know how to interact with a pastor a whole lot better than white people do. And some black people are in the room, they're like, that's right, that's right. I had some African-American ladies right down here on the second row last week during the second service. And dude, I'm telling you, I had church more than I've ever had church in my life because they were preaching back at me just as much as I was preaching back at them. So you white people gotta catch up and get on with the program so that this thing can get a little better. Needless to say, that phrase right there, preaches really good. It gets us really excited. It gets us jacked up. It gets us pumped and it gets us ready to go out and take on the world. But here's the problem. All too often for many of us, we're waiting on that to become a reality in our lives. See, when our brokenness and the brokenness of our world caves in around us, it's fine to know that God is even when we're not. But when all that caves in around us and it feels like we can't breathe, that statement doesn't do us a bit of good. If we're honest, it preaches really good and it sounds really good because it is really good and it is true. But the truth of the matter is, so many of us don't live in that reality. We come to church and get excited and cheer on that reality, but we go out and live in a completely different reality because of what's going on in the world around us. If we're just, if we're, if we're being honest, it's not the kind of thing that you say amen to. It's not the kind of thing that you get super excited about, but it is the kind of thing that all of us know is really true. See, it's good to know that when we're powerless, that God is powerful. It's good to know that when we don't have it together and we're not consistent, that God is steadfast. But if we're honest, all of that is irrelevant. It's irrelevant to know that God is strong enough, is capable enough, is together enough, if that God who is doesn't seem like he's showing up in our life. See, it's great to know that God's name is I am, but if I am doesn't come down and make a difference in our I am not kind of world, then for us, that statement is just that. It's just a statement. And so the question that I want us to wrestle with this morning is not a question that we had planned. As a matter of fact, I've told our team all morning long, this was not a sermon that I had planned. We plan out our year a year in advance. And so you guys got to know that I already know what's coming in September, October, November, later this year. We plan out everything a year in advance and we try to plan and prepare to be ready for those times and those talks. And this is not one that was on the calendar. As a matter of fact, this series will probably get stretched out an extra week because I had to stop in the middle of this series after preaching last week's message and enter 
interject this conversation because I felt like we couldn't move forward and have clarity and have understanding and have resolve where we actually take this content and utilize it in our everyday lives if we didn't first call out the elephant in the room. And the elephant is this, that it feels really good to say God is, God is, God is. But what about when God doesn't? Because all of us have been there, right? We pray and we pray and we beg and we plead and nothing happens. We walk in boldness, we walk in confidence, we take steps of faith and we take steps of faith, we walk right over a cliff and we say, where was God? Why didn't God fix the issue? Why didn't God fix the problem? Why didn't God meet me where I was? It doesn't matter if you know I am, if I am doesn't show up. The best way that I could illustrate this is if you're friends with a district court judge and you get a traffic ticket, it doesn't matter whether you're a good friend with a district court judge, if that district court judge doesn't answer the phone every time you get a traffic ticket. Not that I'm speaking from personal experience, (laughs) right? But it's great to know people in high places It's great to know people with power. It's great to know someone whose name literally is I am. I always have been, I always will be, and I am right now in your midst, in your situation. It's great to know somebody who encompasses and embodies that name. But if that person doesn't show up in the middle of our I am nots, then that name is irrelevant, isn't it? Now, we we don't like to amen to that part. We don't like to talk about that part in church because that that's not the exciting part of being a Christian. That's not the easy marketing side of being a Christian, is it? You don't go out and tell your friends and family, hey, we serve this amazing, awesome, wonderful God who can and will do anything. And 80% of the time, he doesn't do nothing. And that's how we talk. He don't do nothing. He don't show up for me. And we don't like to talk about that. But if we're honest, is it not true? That every once in a while, we get a good nugget. Every once in a while, we get a good story. Every once in a while, we've got something to hold on to that we tell all our friends. And it's our marketing chip that we play to tell people about God. But all too often in our lives, there's about seven or eight other things where our lives are slammed, falling apart, and God's not showing up. Where is God when our lives fall apart? Where is God If his name is I am, where is that I am kind of power when my life is cracking at the seams? That's a question we don't like to talk about, but it's a question all of us wrestle with and struggle with and everybody in the room resonates with. Proof? I never have this many people paying attention, but everybody right now is locked. You know why? Because this is a question we all have that nobody ever answers that nobody ever talks about. Where's God when the bottom drops out? Where's God when life falls apart? Why couldn't God fix this or that? Let me tell you what spawned the thought process of having this conversation this morning. This past week, we went live um, for the first time with um, video podcasting. We've been doing audio, and for those of you who listen online or those of you who have family and friends that listen online, um, it's been really cool to have that resource available. And one of the things that we noticed is that that kind of took off. We didn't put a lot of time, energy, or money into it. It was just something that we did, and we made it available for people who couldn't be here. But it kind of took off, and we had several hundred, over 500 listeners every month that were checking out the podcast, that were listening in, that were subscribing. And that doesn't even include the number of people that were listening on iTunes. And so this thing was kind of 
taken off. And we thought, man, there's a lot of people. Who, there's actually the same number of people who attend here on a weekend that are actually listening online. And so we want to do everything we can to make our resources as available as possible. And so we want to take the next step and go to video. And so this past week, we launched our video podcast, which has been really cool and, and great to get off the ground. And this is something neat because we can actually share it on social media platforms, on Twitter and on Facebook. And some of you actually saw our, our, our talk last week on Facebook um, this week. And so I was online and I was scrolling through my news feed on Monday morning. And I saw somebody had shared the video podcast of last week's talk. And I don't do this very often. I don't go on and listen online very often, but I was curious what the quality looked like. I was curious what kind of product we were putting out there. And so I, 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 I hit play and I fast forwarded to somewhere right in the middle just so I could get kind of a sampling of what things were like. And, and it started right when I was getting ramped up and really excited last week. It started right at that part where I was, man, I'm telling you, I was preaching better than you guys were amen and it was good. I was sitting in my recliner and, and I, I was saying amen to myself like it was good. It was good. My wife walked by. She was like, arrogant jerk. And I'm just, I'm just kidding. She didn't say that. Um, but, but I was watching and I was like, yeah, I am. I am goes before us. When I'm not, he is. And he's greater. He's more powerful. Even when I'm weak, even when I'm insufficient, he's sufficient. I'm like, yeah, so good. And then I scrolled down. One more post. And this was the picture that I saw. And for those of you who've been hiding under a rock or maybe aren't on social media and don't know what this picture represents, this is Hadley and Gentry Eddings. Gentry is the worship pastor at Forest Hills Ballantyne Campus. Forest Hills is a church in Charlotte. And I've had several interactions with these guys, several interactions with their, their staff team and their church. And they have a two-year-old little boy named Dobbs, and she is 37 weeks pregnant. And I see the picture, and I'm familiar with the picture because I know the people, so I click the picture to see what it says. It says that while Gentry was in Wilmington last weekend doing his sister's wedding, on their way back, they were involved in an automobile accident where a box truck took out Hadley's vehicle from behind, didn't stop, full speed, and just crumpled the car. And they weren't able to get Dobbs out in time. A little two-year-old boy, Dobbs, died. And they rushed Hadley to the hospital, and she had an emergency C-section. And the reason that I saw the picture was because they were announcing that on Monday morning, their 37-week-old baby had passed away as well. And it, it hit me in a way that nothing has in a long time. See, because I'm a dad of a 5-year-old, a 7-year-old, and a 3-year-old, and I vividly remember when all my kids looked just like that. And I could not fathom or imagine how you recover from that. I'm sitting here thinking in my mind the prayers that Gentry is praying. I'm not strong enough to deal with this, God. I'm not equipped 
to handle this, God. I got to go in here and face my wife. I'm not confident to say the right words. I'm not sure you even exist. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. I thought, man, the fact that God is doesn't help this. The fact that God is strong enough, is equipped enough, didn't know, that doesn't fix this problem. If this is me, I'm struggling recovering. I'm struggling ever coming back to the church. I'm struggling, and I'm just being transparent and honest with you. Because bad things happen to good people, and I'm aware of that. We live in a broken, fallen, sinful world. I'm aware of that. I understand that God allows free will, and it's the only way we can have a love relationship with him is to allow free will. When you allow free will, bad things happen because people make bad choices, including bad choices like a truck driver who's not paying attention. I get that. I understand it all here, but I'm just telling you that understanding it all doesn't change the fact that I would be able to come back and worship a holy God and understand why he allowed what he allowed to happen if he were to rip my two-year-old away from my life and rip the possibility of a new life with my 37-week-old baby. I don't know that I can come back from that. So I quickly closed out the page and scrolled back up and there was stupid me again preaching. I am not, but I know I am. Yeah. Like, who cares? Who ca- when that's going on, who cares? And that's when I asked the question Why does it matter that God's name is I am when I am doesn't show up? When I am doesn't fix the problems? Saturday and Sunday, there were hundreds of thousands of people pouring their hearts out to God on behalf of that little baby who was clinging to life, born by C-section. And on Monday, that baby died and God didn't show up. How do you, how do you put those things together? And if you came this morning looking for an answer and looking for a sermon with a pretty little bow on the end of it, you picked the wrong church because I'm telling you, I don't got it. I didn't have some kind of epiphany over the last four days. I didn't go up on the mountain and come back down and here's the answer on why things like that happen. The answer is, I don't know. I don't know why God would allow a two-year-old little boy to be taken from his parents when his parents faithfully and lovingly serve God and surrender their life to him. I I don't know why God would allow that to happen. I get and understand the reality of the world we live in, but I fully believe and and am convinced of the fact that God is a God who is sovereign and in control. And if God's in control, I don't know why God would allow that to happen. And as I got on social media throughout the week and began to kind of look through you guys' posts, Here's the conclusion I came to. There's a lot of you that are struggling with that same question. Whether it be issues of infertility, maybe the loss of a loved one, maybe someone that you know is sick, maybe you're struggling with with the loss of a job and your family's about to be evicted from your home and you're asking the question, God, why, God, why, God, why? And you're not getting an answer. And I said, I can't allow this just to be an internal struggle with me. I gotta talk to our people. 
Because I know for so many of us, we hear, I am not, but I know I am. And we're like, yeah, that's good. And then we go out and life smacks us in the face again. And when it does, we're left with the question, where is I am? And I don't have the answer this morning. But I do have some thoughts that Jesus gave. And they're thoughts that were encouragement to me. And my hope and my prayer is that they would be encouragement to you. And that when we walk out of this place, while we may not fully grasp and fully understand why God would allow such tragic and horrific things to happen to such good, godly people, I hope that we would walk out trusting and understanding that God's ways are higher than our ways. That his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And that even when we don't understand He's working. Even when we don't see it all, he's moving. And even when we don't have the answers, I pray that we walk out of this place with a renewed, watch this, faith. That when we don't get it, when we don't understand, that he's still in control. That he's still all powerful. That his name's still I am. And that he He's still God, and he's still good. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open them to the book of John, the New Testament book of John. John chapter 16. And Jesus has just spent the subsequent chapters, 14, 15, and the better part of of chapter 16, And he's been speaking and teaching and preaching. And he's been saying things that so many of the disciples don't get and they don't understand and that that it doesn't make sense and they don't have it all figured out. And Jesus is saying, it's okay, one day you will. It's okay, one day this will make sense. And Jesus has been teaching. And at the end of all of this, he wraps up everything that he says with this one simple verse. And it's the one verse I want us to kind of park on this morning. We'll look at one other passage of scripture, but primarily I want us to look at this one verse because this is the verse that was encouragement to me this week when I was wrestling personally with the fact that there are bad things that take place in this world. And I serve a God whose name is I am, and I'm having trouble putting those two things together. And I'm hoping that this will help you as well. John chapter 16, picking it up in verse 33. The scripture says this. I have told you these things. Again, now he's referencing the things that he's been talking about in chapters 14, 15, and 16. If you're wondering what kind of things that he's talking about, he's talking about saying things like, I am the vine, you are the branches. I want you to abide in me. And if you abide in me, then I'll abide in you. He says things like, you didn't choose me, but in my love, in my infinite love, I chose you. He says, as the father loves me, so I love you. And while so many of us can't even begin to wrap our brains around that or understand that because we don't understand God's love for Jesus. Jesus is is trying to communicate that he wants an intimate, real relationship with us out of infinite love that he has lavished upon us and that he's going to lavish upon us when he goes to the cross. He says things like, I'm going away, but I'm going to send you another, another that's going to help you, that's going to be with you, that's going to caution you, that's going to guide you, that's going to lead you, that will be my presence in your life. And this one will only be with you. He will be inside of you. He will be placed in you and give you power and courage and peace. He says all kinds of stuff. And he says, I've told you all these things, all these things, so that in me, 
you may have peace. Not peace that stems from the reality of your circumstances. Not peace that comes from everything going right. Not peace that comes from everything working out the way that you wanted it to. Not peace that comes from God answering all your prayers and orchestrating life exactly the way that you wanted him to orchestrate it. That's not where your peace comes from. I've told you all these things about you abiding in me and me abiding in you and me being in fellowship and relationship with you and us sticking together and and my love for you. I've told you all that stuff so that you would know that in me, When everything else has fallen apart in me, you can have peace. Then he goes on to explain what what he's talking about. He says, in this world. And it's funny that he says the, the phrase in this world because he's referencing the fact that there's another world that there's something else going on. There's another kingdom. There's another presence. There's another reality. He's saying that there's something else that's great and perfect and holy, and you're gonna get there one day and you're gonna get to see that one day. But right now you're not in that world. You're in this world. And while you're in this world, let me make a promise to you. You will have trouble. And we're not talking about little trouble. We're not talking about baby trouble. We're not talking about like my car didn't start this morning trouble or I got a ticket this morning on the way to work trouble or, or me and my wife got into a fight on the way to church this morning trouble. We're not talking about little trouble. We're talking about big, life-changing, faith-shaking, earth-shattering trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. Anybody ever experienced trouble like that in their life, like pain in their life, difficulty in their life that makes you question and wonder whether God really is still on the throne? and whether he really does care and how that all fits together. In this world, you're gonna have things that happen in your life that are going to be trouble, that are going to be painful, that are gonna be devastating, that are gonna be difficult. It was as if Jesus is saying in John chapter 16, hey, you're gonna go and you're gonna surrender your life to ministry and you're gonna serve God in the local church and you're gonna go to do your sister's wedding and you're gonna lose your two-year-old and your unborn child. In this world, you are going to have trouble. I'm letting you know ahead of time it's coming. And if you're somebody who's living life this morning that hasn't experienced much trouble, just hold on. It's coming. Just wait. There's going to be a moment. And I'm going to be the guy, unlike most pastors, that will tell you that if you surrender your life to Jesus, you open yourselves up for that much more trouble. In this life, in this world, you will have trouble. It's not a maybe. It's not a could be. It is a promise from Jesus as a follower of him and as as one of his disciples in this world, you will have trouble. But, but take heart. In the middle of your trouble, take heart. I've told you all these things so that you would have peace in me. Not in your circumstances, not in your world, because in your world, in your circumstances, you're going to experience trouble. Like there's going to be some bad days coming your way. But you can take heart because I, the one that I've told you to abide in, I, the one that I've told you to stay close to, I, the one that's your source of peace and comfort in the middle of the storm, I have overcome the world. Take heart. 
In this world, you're gonna have trouble, but here's what you need to know. I have overcome the world. Now, here's what you need to understand. When Jesus made this statement, he had not yet overcome the world. He had not yet surrendered his life into into men's hands. He had not yet shed his blood and died on the cross. He had not yet risen from the dead and taken control of death, hell, and the grave. He had not yet done that, but he says in the middle of this, this discourse, in the middle of this statement, prior to going to the cross, you can take heart because I have overcome the world. You say, Jesus, you haven't overcome the world yet. He said, no, 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 no. Here's what you need to understand. My name hasn't changed. My name is still I am. And in the middle of your trouble, in the middle of the fact that I'm going to the cross, in the middle of the fact that they're gonna, they're gonna persecute me and they're gonna try me and they're gonna convict me and they're gonna crucify me and they're gonna kill me. In the middle of all that, I am the overcomer. I always have overcome. I always will overcome and I'm overcoming right now. I have overcome the world. And so when you face difficulty, when you face calamity, when you face struggle and pain that you can't wrap your mind around, I want you to take heart because your source of peace isn't in your circumstances, isn't in this life. It's in me and I've overcome these circumstances. I've overcome this life and I've overcome the world. Here's what he's saying. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, I already know the ending to this story. And you don't. You don't see it. All you see is this one little glimpse. All you see is this one little slice, this one little picture. And the picture is devastatingly painful because at the end of this chapter that you see, you're still in pain. But I have overcome the world and I've seen the ending to this story. And I know that I've got something bigger going on. In this world, you will have trouble, but there's another world that's coming. And when that world comes, when that kingdom comes, it's gonna make everything that has ever ever been wrong, right. It's going to fix everything. It's going to put everything back together. It's going to bring families back together. It's going to bring broken pieces back together. It's going to raise the dead to life. It's going to wipe away sin, wipe away pain, wipe away shame. One day, everything will be made right. And you can't see that now, but don't put your peace. Don't put your, your source of hope in what's going on right now. Put your source in me because I have overcome the world. And one day I will make everything right again. That's what he's saying to you. And that's what he's saying to me right in the middle of our pain, right in the middle of our brokenness, right in the middle of our hurt. And I have a hard time with this. You got to know as a pastor, this is one of the hardest things that I try to teach, that I try to understand that I wrestle with. And here's why, because Jesus is laying out for us two truths and both are equally true, but they're difficult to marry together. Truth number one is that you live in a fallen, broken, sinful world. And because of that, even as a follower of Jesus, you will face pain. You will face difficulty. You will face struggle. You will face enormous consequence as a result of the sin in this world. You will have trouble. But I also see and understand the second truth. And that is that we serve a risen savior, an overcoming savior, a powerful savior, a strong savior who has overcome the world and that will make everything right again. And those are two truths. And the problem is when people tend to lean towards one or or the other, they end up with really bad theology. And you guys have all seen and heard pastors that lean one way or the other. It's, well, everything's just terrible. Life sucks. Life's falling apart. It's not going to be good. What you need to learn to do is just deal with it. 
And that's bad theology because Jesus says, no, 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 you can have peace in the middle of your storm. I've overcome the world. I, I, I've, I've conquered death, hell, and the grave. And you don't have to live under the bondage and shame and chains and pain of the trappings of this world. You don't have to stay there. You don't have to get stuck there. So to say that life just sucks and we just got to deal with it, that's bad theology. But it's also terrible theology to say, because I'm a follower of Jesus, everything's gonna be made right and everything's good and God's for me. And because God's for me, nothing bad's gonna happen. And if something bad does happen, it's because I didn't have enough faith in the fact that God was for me. That's bad theology too. There's two almost paradox ideas that Jesus is saying are both equally true at the exact same time simultaneously. And that is that in this world, you have trouble. In this world, you'll have difficulty. In this world, you'll have pain. But take heart, I've overcome the world and you can have peace right in the middle of your pain. Both are equally true at the exact same time. And that's good news for you. And that's good news for me. Because of the cross of Jesus, because of his shed blood 2,000 years ago, and because of his passionate pursuit to restore us to the way we were always created to live, and that's in relationship with his Father. We don't have to go through life thinking that our pain and our problems are the end of the story because they're not. They're not. A a verse which illustrates this so well is found in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. Scripture says, We have this hope, hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. For thousands of years, God was separated from people. The only ones that could go in and be in in interaction and in communion with God were the high priest after they went through several ceremonial cleansings. And when Jesus shed his blood and died on the cross, the Bible says that there was a huge earthquake. And when that earthquake occurred, the veil, the curtain in the temple was ripped in two, signifying to you and to me, the barrier between us and God is gone. Because of the cross of Jesus, We've been given the opportunity to live in relationship with God, a God who passionately loves us, a God who passionately pursues us, a God who absolutely cares about every little thing, every detail that occurs in our life. We've been given access to him. And because of the cross, because we've been given access to him, we can view this now as a hope that does what? That anchors our soul. What does an anchor do? It keeps a ship in place when the storms and the waves are raging, in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your struggle, in the middle of your circumstances, there's an anchor for our soul that gives us hope in the middle of our storm. And that anchor is the work of Jesus on the cross 2,000 years ago for your sake and for mine. And while the idea that God's name is I am is difficult to wrestle with when I am doesn't show up in his power, 
when I am doesn't show up in his confidence, when I am doesn't show up in his qualifications, we can rest in the fact that his name is still I am here. Yeah, I'm qualified. Yeah, I'm confident. Yeah, I'm together, even when you're not. Here's the best news. I am here. I'm not far off. I'm not distant. I'm not removed. I'm not taken out of the equation of your pain and your suffering and your difficulty. In the middle of your struggle, when it feels like that God isn't showing up, what he may not be doing is showing up the way you want him to show up. What he may not be doing is showing up in his power and fixing things the way that you want him to fix them. But what is true is that he is showing up. He's showing up in his presence. I am here. I am walking with you through this pain. And no, I can't fix the pain. No, I can't remove the pain. No, I can't undo the reality of what's going on in the world because the world is broken. And the moment that I intervene and fix every little thing that happens, the moment that I undo everything that happens, then, then we can't enter into this love relationship that I've talked about. And it's extremely painful for you and it's extremely painful for God. But what he wants you to know is he hasn't gone anywhere. He's right there in the midst and he will see you through until the storm is over, until he makes everything right again. I haven't had the opportunity to speak to Gentry or to Hadley, they are um, without any doubt from anybody who's watching an absolute wreck. I spoke with one of their pastors on staff and he said that they have their good hours and their bad hours. Their moments when they understand and they trust God and they rely on his presence and they have moments where they just collapse into the floor and they're ready to quit. I haven't spoken to them personally. And if I had the opportunity to, honestly, I'm not even sure what I could or would say. But at some point, I hope and I pray that I get the opportunity to speak to Gentry. Some point when the rawness of this wears off and we have the opportunity to talk, I want to remind him of something that I pray to God if this ever happens in my life, somebody reminds me because it's gonna be hard to remember. I wanna remind him that in the middle of all of this, God hasn't went anywhere. In the middle of all of this, God's name is I am and he is here in the midst of it all and he is shedding tears along with you and that until the end comes, he will walk with you every step of the way. But there is a hope. There is a hope and it is an anchor for our soul. And that hope is this. And I would, I would look him dead in the eye and tell him this. There is a hope that one day the one who's walking with us will make all things right. One day he and Hadley will see Dobbs again. One day, they'll be restored. And no, it won't be on this side of eternity. And no, it won't be the way that they had thought it would go. And no, it won't be the way that they had intended. But when that one day happens, none of that will matter anymore. One day, he will make all things new. And he is walking with us every step of the way until that one day happens.
I want to offer you um, just a couple of observations, and then we'll close. And again, like I said, I, I don't, I don't have any pretty little bow. There's no like cool illustration. I don't have an update to this story that's going to make it all good and right because we live in a world that's not good and right. We live in a world that's painful. But I want to offer you just a few observations regarding the cross of Jesus because what Jesus did on the cross and the work that he did 2,000 years ago truly is the anchor that we can rest in. It truly is that thing that we look at that ripped the veil, that brought us into relationship with God, that's given us hope in the middle of our pain, in the middle of our storm. And hopefully it will help you relate to the fact that God is not removed from this and that God has been there too. First observation is this. At the cross, and this is not gonna be on the screens if you're taking notes, you probably just wanna write it down. At the cross, we're reminded that God loves us. At the cross, we're reminded that God loves us. In the middle of our pain, in the middle of our difficulty, in the middle of those storms, when we feel like God isn't showing up because he doesn't care, God could, but he didn't, and I don't understand. In the middle of those moments, if we need a place to fix our eyes on, to be reminded of the fact that God does care, we can look at the cross. And we're reminded that God loves us because it was at the cross that we were given the opportunity to not face these storms alone, not face these difficulties alone. And because of the cross, because of Jesus' willingness to sacrifice himself on your behalf and on my behalf, the end of our story is not the end of the story. The cross is our reminder that God loves us. Number two, the cross is a picture-perfect example of the fact that God can use the worst of circumstances to accomplish eternal good. God lost his son too. God knows what it's like to lose a child. You say, yeah, but he knew that he was coming back. That's different. No, no, no. You know, if you're a follower of Jesus and that's the anchor for your soul, you know that one day God's gonna make all things right too. God watched his son be brutalized and hung on a cross and be ripped out of the father's hands. God watched that take place. And the cross is a perfect example that God can use the worst of situations, the worst of circumstances to accomplish eternal good in our lives, even though we may not see or understand it right here, right now, in this little slice of life that we have in front of us. Finally, God paints on a canvas that is bigger than we can see. The cross is an example of the fact that God paints on a canvas that's bigger than you and I can see. See, because if you're just looking at the cross, if t- take, take all of our cultural understanding out of the equation. Go back 2,000 years ago and you just look at the picture of Jesus dying on the cross. You see somebody who committed a crime, who's being executed for that crime, and that's it. That's the end of that story. And when you look at that, you say, well, that's a terrible, tragic, awful story. 
but the cross isn't being painted on a canvas this big. It's being painted on a canvas this big. And the problem is we can only see in our lives this much of the canvas, but God's doing a work that's far greater than what we can see. And it's our responsibility as followers of Jesus in those painful, difficult moments when we can't see past the borders of our lives to trust that God is painting on a canvas that's bigger than we can see. That's why it's called faith, that God's doing something bigger, that God's doing something more. Now, does God have the capacity to pick and choose how he paints? Yep. So could God pick and choose to take this person out and not take this person out? Yeah. So could God have choose to spare Dobbs and to save that baby? Yes. Well, why didn't he? I don't know. But I trust that the guy who's holding the brush, that his name is I am, and he's painting on a canvas that I am not able to see but I am can see it all and I have faith that he is moving and working even in the middle of my storm even in the middle of my pain last night I was going back over my makeshift notes again these are just some thoughts and I was looking at the picture of Gentry and Hadley and Dobbs can you guys throw that back up on the screen for me in the back And I noticed something that I wanted to point out to you because I thought, man, God speaks in unbelievable ways. And I'm sure that there's a lot that has to do with coincidence. But in this moment, God's using this to remind me of a reality. I was looking at that picture again. And I looked at Dobbs' shirt. And all over the shirt are anchors. And I was reminded of this in picture-perfect detail, that this image is a painful image. Right now, this image is a storm. Right now, this image is difficult to see, difficult to think about, difficult to look at. But in the middle of that storm, in the middle of that pain, in the middle of that difficulty, there is an anchor. And that anchor is evident. And it's evident to you. And it's evident to me. And we have to hold tight to that anchor in the middle of the storm. Because if we let go, we'll get swallowed up by the brokenness, by the I am nots of this world. And I just got to tell you, not as a pastor, but as a human being, if I have two options in front of me, and that is to settle into the fact that this world is painful and I can't do anything about it and I'm just gonna let the I am nots of this world swallow me up. Or I pick option number two and that I am going to cling to and hold on to the hope of the anchor of the cross of Jesus that he passionately pursues me, that he walks with me in the middle of my storm and that one day he will make all things right. If I have to choose between one of the two, I'm going with option B every single time. Not because I'm a pastor, not because I'm a believer, but because it's just a better way to live. I want to challenge you. When you walk out the doors of this place, 
over the next several weeks and you are challenged and encouraged to not live in the I am nots, but instead to walk in the confidence and the boldness and the assurance of there is a God who says I am. When life seems to be caving in, remember that doesn't change the nature and the name of God. He's still I am. He's still in control. He's still on the throne. He still loves you and he still loves me and he's not going anywhere and one day he'll make it all right. And because of that, we can walk in boldness and confidence and still say in the middle of the storm, I am not, but I know I am. And if you're here this morning and you do not have an intimate, real relationship with God and you don't know I am, we as a church want to walk alongside you. We want to come alongside you and we want to help you live in relationship with him. If you would do us a favor, you were given a program when you came in. At the bottom of that program is a connection card. On the back of that connection card, there are some next steps. And the top box on that next step says, I am accepting what Jesus did on the cross today so that I could begin a relationship with God. If you would check that box and make that commitment, say, that's what I'm doing, I'm all in, then we as a church are gonna walk alongside you. We're gonna come beside you and we're gonna help you walk in the reality that there is a God who's bigger than your storm and that is an anchor for your soul. And it would thrill us like nothing else to be able to walk you through that process. Let's pray together. God, this has been probably a heavier talk than anybody expected, not even one that I expected. But it's something that you want to remind us of. And so I pray that we walk out of this place not saying good sermon, not saying good job, not saying great service, that we walk out of this service saying, wow, today I encountered Jesus. Thank you for all the things you're doing in our church, the way that you're moving in the lives of people in every area of their life. We thank you for the stories that we get to hear as a result. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.